Hello there and welcome to the Talking City podcast, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. And I am delighted to say that uh, football is nearly back. Pre-season training starts today. We're recording this on uh, Monday morning. So those uh, City players have been welcomed back by some thunderstorms in Manchester and they will soon fly out to uh, to Japan for the pre-season talk. We'll get into that. We'll get into some transfer talk. And uh, at the end of the week, there is a game of football that we can uh, hopefully discuss a little bit. Bit. My name is Joe Bray, joined today by uh, Simon Bykowski. Si, all good? Yeah, I'm still trying to turn this into a cricket podcast. Let's just talk about <laughs> the Ashes and Lancashire again and again, please. Um, well, this is it. I was looking at the weather. I've got tickets for the for the Ashes. I'm thinking I'm, I'm hoping it, <laughs> it improves towards the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Mm. Although I have got day five, so hopefully if it is oh, ready, right. we'll get yeah. to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I think you'll be, I think you'll be all right then. I think you might have picked the best yeah. day. That's it, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I will miss City's first game of the, of the season, but we will get onto that. Oh. And, uh, I'll have I'll have to leave that in your your capable hands, Sam, <laughs> uh, on on Sunday. Uh, yeah. But that's a problem for later in the week. Let's talk first about uh, City returning to pre-season training. That's today. A couple of days in Manchester, then they'll fly to Japan. The talk sort of leading up to it hasn't necessarily been about who's going to be there, sort of new signings, that sort of thing. It's mainly been about potential outgoings. You know, uh, reports in Germany say Kyle Walker has agreed to that he wants to join Bayern Munich. Riyad Mahrez is apparently close to to move into Saudi Arabia. Can you offer us any update on on Walker and Mahrez? Is it as far progressed as as these reports suggest, or is it same as same as usual? Yeah, it was really weird because kind of reports from Germany said, oh, yeah, we think Kyle Walker's chosen to stay at City. And then reports the next day from Germany were like, oh, no, he's chosen Bayern. Um, I don't know if he's chosen Bayern. Um, the the latest I'd had on it um, last week was that he had had a very good offer from Bayern that he was open to taking. Um, but also he'd had a very good counter offer from City um, that had made him kind of think that, yeah, um, he could maybe maybe stay at City for, for the next two years. Um, and so, yeah, maybe he, he might have decided, but as as far as I know, he is still yet to, to decide either way. Um, Mares. <laughs> again I, I didn't I wasn't aware that he was kind of um sort of very very keen on on a move um and sort of there, there was talk about a 30 million fee and now there's talk of a 20 million euro fee which um is is really quite strange when you consider that sort of the 30 million was being used as a benchmark by Liverpool for Henderson um and so you know if if he's lost nearly half his market value in a week that's um that's quite something so i i would say with both transfers there is an awful lot still to be done if they're going to happen and you know everyone says oh city let players leave if they want to leave well yeah they do but only if it works for them you know nathan ake wanted to leave for chelsea last summer he didn't because the deal didn't work for City, so they didn't sell him. Bernardo Silva has wanted to leave 
since about 4 BC. He hasn't left because no club has come in with an offer. So, yeah, there is a lot of uncertainty around City and their players and they look like going into the season with a squad of about eight, if you believe everything uh, that you read. However, yeah, it's a lot of negotiation will have to be done. And you say, if Kyle Walker wants to go, great. What's his price? Maris wants to go. What's his price? I mean, I don't know. Walker's got a year left on his deal, hasn't he? So mm. I don't, but considering how important he is, like, I don't know, 20 million quid, 25. What would you reckon for Walker? I mean, that feels right given his age and just his importance to City. And I think he'd be the one that they'd miss more than Mares by some distance. No, no one does what Kyle Walker does in that squad. You know, he's he's one of the captains, isn't he? And he didn't start the Champions League final okay, but he did help them get there by stopping Vinicius in, in the semi-final in, in both legs. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think if they lost Walker, I do think they'd, they'd suffer a little bit more because there would be even more pressure on that four centre-back approach and also on Rico Lewis, who is still an 18-year-old who needs time to to learn how to be a, an elite world-class footballer. He's got that potential, but I don't think you can expect him to to do it after basically half a season of, of playing playing for City. So no, I, I think Walker would be the one that City wants to keep. And as you say, if City have offered a deal, it would make sense that they keep him. And that's quite telling, isn't it? Because City don't often offer multiple-year deals to, to players over 30. But the fact that they're willing to do that for... Walker and they weren't even going to do that with Gundogan for for a while shows yeah. that he's he's probably the one that they don't want to lose and I do think yeah for, for this season especially keeping Walker is probably a little bit more important but on the other side you can see why he would want to leave he's not played the Champions League final he's looking at John Stones and Akanji and Lewis getting played there more he's also probably looking at the England situation with Euro 2024 at the end of next season and he knows he won't play for England if he's not playing for City because there's a lot of good good right-backs. So you can see why he would be tempted by Bayern Munich, but you could also see definitely why City would want him to stay. I think I think with Mahrez, it's you, you can again understand why he would want a bit more stability and he was overlooked in the in the big games as well. But again, he's, he's put some really big performances in and I think well, the depth is what City would like with that. That is it with Mares, and you know Guardiola said after the FA Cup semi, didn't he, when he'd scored the hat trick that mm-hmm. he'd he'd lost the, what did he say, he lost the battle to convince yeah. him that he was still an important player. Um, you could completely see why Mares would want a new challenge. Um, at the same time, he's kind of old enough and wise enough to know that things can very quickly change at City, and you can very quickly get back into the team. And if you were picking a lineup for the start of the season, if Bernardo leaves, then is Mares the one on the right wing? Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But you know, he's in there. It's not like there's loads of bodies to um, to sort of push him down the pecking order. Like you know, you might be like sixth choice centre back, but he's not going to be sixth choice right winger. Um, and then also, yeah, if you do want to sell him, or if he does want to go, how much is he? Because if you know, say Henderson's twenty million. If they've been based this benchmark on on Mara's being thirty million, but if you say right, well Henderson's twenty million, does City say right, well, you know, 
two years left on his deal for Mares, and given what he's done and what he can still do, do we want a bit more than than thirty million um, from a league where they've kind of they're not coming in as as paupers, are they? You know, in the same no, way that short of money. Yeah, if if Manchester City come knocking at the door, clubs know that they've got a lot of money. These Saudi Arabian clubs have a lot of money, so if you're a selling club, you maybe add a few million quid on just because you know that they can afford it, or can they afford it? Which is another question, but it's a question that you'd kind of make them answer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can understand why there is uh, there are concerns from fans as the players kind of arrive back for pre-season. And it is significant if Walker and Maras have decided they want to leave. Um, But a very important part of the negotiation is City agreeing to let them go for for an acceptable fee. And I don't think we've really seen City give any players away. I can't remember many deals where the fans have been left unhappy at a player going for kind of less than they would want. Maybe maybe Zinchenko mm-hmm. last summer who went for a lot of money but they didn't properly replace him. So maybe something mm-hmm. like that. But that's like re and they didn't properly replace him and won the treble. So that's kind of really the extent. So I think as much as there are worries around these players, it's kind of City have earned a lot of uh credit and trust in the market. And they've also got a squad where a lot of players can play a lot of positions. If, if they do lose Walker and Mahrez, we've just discussed the players who can play at right back. You've got Bernardo, Foden, Cole Palmer, if, if he stays, maybe even Julian Alves who can play at, at right wing. You're not short of options there, of, of options who can uh, you know, play two or three positions across that front line and, and across the defence. So, like you say, we saw it last, last year. They didn't sign a new left back. They played probably about five or six players in that position across the course of the season. No player apart from Nathan Ake really locked it down and they still won the treble. So you, you would expect that they have enough versatility in the squad to uh, to replace those players. Um, one of my questions was going to be, should should City be concerned that all these players leaving? I think if, if they do lose all of these players who could leave, then yes, you probably would be because you lose that depth. But I think... If you lose one or two, it, you would imagine that they would cope. Would you say that? Is that fair? Yeah, I think they have to look at replacements for sort of anyone who leaves, just in terms of a, a body count, um, mm-hmm. because they do have a small squad, and we know that Guardiola likes it that way, and you know that's the way they've been successful. But at the same time, it th- there does come a point where you're like, yes, it is too. Too, too small this squad um and you know you don't really want to be stretching yourself too thin so whether they would get a replacement for Mares or walker or not they would have to at least look at getting a replacement for for Mares or walker if if Mares goes you know one of the biggest losers is bernardo silva because if city agree to sell Mares, then bernardo's chances of leaving kind of take a dive because he suddenly becomes it becomes more important to to keep him. He's already kind of more important because he can play that central role um, and they've lost Gundogan. But if if Mares goes, then, um, you know, 
Bernardo would, well, City would be within the rights to slap a bit more money on on Bernardo Silva. And and if you're a player as well, like, you know, people are saying, why aren't City getting the business done in the market? Like, if you're a player and you want to move, if you're Bernardo Silva and it's being clear that you want to move for ages, like, why haven't you got it lined up? Because the longer that it takes for you to line it up, the more chance there is of something going wrong or the more chance there is of City turning around and saying, no, too late, we can't sort something out. Like, you know, it's you, you read like, oh, Carl Walker wants talks with Pep Guardiola. Why can't he have him? Ring him up. <laughs> it's it, it, it all kind of adds up to this idea of, you, you know, it's the same sort of misconceived notion of like everything has to be ready for the tour, say, and you can't do any business while you're on the tour. You can't sell someone. Or, once you go on the tour, that's it. You can't leave a club. And once somebody isn't on the tour, that's it. Guardiola isn't coming. It, it's like that thing, like you can um, do business right through the summer, but if you really want to get a deal done, you should be at least kind of working on on making it happen and you don't need to wait for arbitrary things such as like waiting to see someone face to face um so yeah it should be an interesting week where things become a bit clearer um but what is clear is that city aren't going to let people go for what they view as under market value um just because they want to leave I think your point about the tour there, that reminded me instantly of an event last year in Houston with some local kids and Alex Inchenko was there playing football with, yeah. with these these kids. And he, I mean, the, the next day he flew from Houston to Orlando to go to the, the Arsenal camp and, and joined Arsenal. So, yeah, as you say, if those players go on tour, that doesn't necessarily mean they're staying. And from Arsenal's point of view, they went on tour without Zinchenko and came back with him. So, yeah, yeah that backs up your point there. I also think City are not the only club who are losing players and important players. Um, I mean, your point about um, players getting it sorted early, Gundogan did that with uh, Barcelona, made his decision early, signed for them and City went and got the replacement. I, th- I think you, you look across the Premier League and a lot of other teams are, are losing key players. You know, Liverpool could be losing Henderson and Fabinho and for all their attacking signings, it's going to be hard to win the Premier League without a, a good defensive midfielder like both Fabinho and and Henderson. You've got, you know, Tottenham United players. Teams like that are losing big players and not necessarily signing world class replacements for them. So City are not the only team. I think Arsenal are the only team so far who are winning or, or better than than they finish the season in, in the transfer market. So even if City do lose these key players. So are the rivals as well. So it, it could be a quite a different outlook in, in the Premier League. One player we haven't talked about who could still leave doesn't seem to be in the picture and would be a solution, should, should say, Walker leave is, is Jao Cancelo. Now, he left fairly acrimoniously in, in January. Doesn't seem like there would be a way back for him, but at the moment he is under contract at City. What, what's the latest on, on Cancelo? Surely, if he doesn't find a move, he's going on the tour and will have to be integrated back into that team in some way. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> he is one who they will be happy to wait kind of the length of the window to find a, a move for him. And he's sort of a, 
a player who's experienced enough and good enough in that he could kind of drop in at the end of a window and still settle into a team. You know, like especially the younger players tend to want to get their loans sorted as soon as possible because they want to be kind of in that manager's thinking from pre-season. Um, whereas someone like Cancelo could just come into a team and, um, you know, make the make the shirt his own. I'd, I'd still be gobsmacked if he was to play a major part in City's season. Um, you know, I think there's every chance that he does get involved and, you know, go on the tour. But as as a as a reference point, you know, Joe Hart went on a number of pre-season tours under under Guardiola. Um, I think he went on in 2018. Uh, that was like two years after he'd been bombed out the team and he went on mm-hmm. tour and, you know, partly so City could remind everyone and say, hey, here's Joe Hart, good goalkeeper. Do you fancy buying him? So, you know, the, the same can be said of, um, of Cancelo. I don't think there's any sort of doubt that, um, I don't think he would want to risk kind of not turning up for, for training. Um, so, yeah, he is, he is another kind of situation that is not particularly straightforward or um, sort of as, as clean as, as people might like, but is likely to sort of be involved until he isn't. But the expectation is still that he won't be involved for, you know, the, the season because of how badly things ended i mean it would be some comeback for the team but also like for the fans he got he got booed at the etihad when he was back and then in munich the city fans were chanting city reject at him i don't (laughs) think this is a player that they are ready to welcome back um with open arms so yeah that would certainly be a surprise if he were to come back yeah, I, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it, but when you see him doing his sort of pre pre season training, he's you, you see other players wearing City training kits and and shorts. He's definitely wearing Portugal training kits, and, <laughs> and maybe I've I've just been dragged into the uh, sort of social media, look into everything far much far too much. But it, I mean, that's stood out a little bit, and it's just a bit. It's such a weird situation because we're talking about how City's defense is going to line up and. Is the right back going to leave? And you've got the player like Cancelo, who should have been a, a player for for years to come. And say when Walker did leave City, you would have thought Cancelo would be the natural replacement. But just the way it the way it transpired in in January has sort of torn all that up, really. But uh, it's, it is odd to have a player of his quality. And he, I mean, he went to Bayern Munich and and won the Bundesliga with them and played a, a decent part in that. He's, he's clearly a, a top player still. So it will be interesting to see where he ends up if if he does leave leave anywhere and uh, we will leave you now for a short moment for a couple of adverts and then we'll come back and we will discuss a little bit more about what City can do with the players who are on pre-season. Hello, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. As we said, today is Monday and City are making their returns to the City Football Academy for pre-season training and they will uh, fly out to Japan later in the week for the first of three friendlies uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, any players, Sai, who have a point to prove, do you think, in train? In You know, pre-season is often the time where Guardiola can work with the squad. He doesn't 
get the chance to actually work on tactics and have extended uh, sessions with these players when the, the schedule picks up and there's two or three games a week. He's got four or five weeks now where he does have time to, to work on these. Is there any is there anyone who we should be looking out for who will want to be proving a point to the manager, do you think? I mean, the obvious one that we've spoken about before yes. is Calvin Phillips, um, who is obviously back in the news because he's got a documentary coming out um, about his time going from Leeds to City and playing a unexpectedly small part in their treble. Um, and yeah, he's a he's a good talker, is Phillips. Um, but still needs to show that he kind of gets it at City. Um, and Rodri will be as Rodri is. But this four or five weeks is perfect for for Phillips to um, to come in and really sort of change a few minds in that um, in in the coaches sort of room because it, it was very clear by the second half of last season that they just didn't trust him to play um, and that was a real shame. And City spent you know forty five million on this guy and he basically wasn't trusted to play against championship opposition. So it was um it it was startling. Um now when there's no pressure of big games, it's not like if you play him you're risking losing the treble or anything like that. Now is the chance for him to come in and show that he can um look decent alongside or instead of Rodri. It might not mean much because or I don't think we'll be able to take loads from the games in the way that I think he looked pretty good last summer, even if he did play quite a lot at centre-half. Um, but it will be his attitude and what he does on the training pitch that really either makes the difference or doesn't in terms yeah, I think, of resetting. Like I'd say he's, he's spoken a good game, hasn't he, in the last week or so when he's been doing his his media rounds for this this documentary. He's now got to, to back it up and, and show that. I, I think last summer hamstrung him a little bit because City had no defenders so he wasn't starting and then he came on in in in, def- in defence off the bench and it was not great and then the season started and then he got injured was it in Barcelona on that on that friendly and he never really came back but if, if he can use these three yeah. games and, and and play those games where Rodri won't I'm looking at the you know the games before or after a Champions League game, for example, or or before or after the Super Cup. If he can come in and and use those games to his advantage, I think that's going to be his route back, if if that's possible at all. Because you know, as you say, Rodri will start the big games. Matteo Kovacic is probably a bit more prepared if he can get into the swing of things at City soon enough. But uh, no, I think as you say, Phillips is probably the one to watch. I, w- I would also say. It's a chance to see what the plans are for John Stones because he ended the season in in midfield. So did Phil Foden. Really, are they going to get a chance when the pressure's off to to play as sort of out and out midfielders, or are they going to be needed back in defence and just getting getting fitness in in that respect? So uh, there's always things you can you can look into, can't you? I remember in in Houston last year, Julian Alvarez started up front and looked very good and. Erling Haaland was still getting his fitness and we were writing that, you know, maybe Alves can play a really key part. He didn't because Haaland was so good, but, you know, 
you, you can you can get sort of false false starts. I think in preseason, you can. And I think um, Grealish yes. and Haaland was another last summer where it looked like they would really kind of tear it up as a partnership. And then now Grealish got an injury quite early in the season, and he kind of thinks that derailed him as well. So maybe it didn't, but at the same time, it looked like it was going to be like Grealish setting up <laughs> three Haaland goals a match, didn't he? And uh, it didn't turn out like that, especially. Um, it, it's, it's hard pre-season. Like, everyone tries to judge loads from it, and sometimes you get a really good sense of how things will be, and other times you, you just don't. Um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, like, you know, you, you couldn't have known, say, last summer that, oh, City are going to win the treble now. Um, you might have felt like, I don't know, Haaland settling in and um, a few things like that. But you, you just, it, yeah, the, there's always a lot to, um, a lot that can change. I think, you know, this should be a, a decent preseason in the sense that loads of players will be back. Uh, there's no kind of major tournament, so... Nothing to um, stop that. Um, but to counter that, I went on tour in 2019 and City looked absolutely dreadful um, with all of their players and then went on to throw away the league by November, December. So <laughs> it, it just goes to show that, you know... Well, I was looking tell. back through the last three seasons and there's been some sort of disruption in the last three or four years either not having a pre-season at all after the COVID year or, um, you know, last season when four players were either injured or weren't allowed into the US. And I think this is going to be the first year. Maybe Kevin De Bruyne will be the only one who's maybe got an injury or not. Um, apart from that, it should be a full squad. They've got three games against, well, two decent oppositions and it should be an opportunity to to really get some some time on the training pitch and and progress ahead of what will be a very very busy season you never know as you say last year I wasn't sitting in Houston and Green Bay thinking they're going to win the treble by playing four centre-backs and I didn't see John Stones as a as a marauding midfielder mainly because he, he wasn't there but also they didn't have Manu Akanji and they didn't have Sergio Gomez who added a bit of depth to that that defence so um, it was an opportunity for some players to to make a point Looking at Rico Lewis, I think Grealish started as he as he meant to go on, but yeah, it's uh, let's yeah, it's, let's be careful on on how much we read into it. But that will not at the same time stop us from looking at looking at patterns and and what's different and <laughs> trying how they're lining up. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, as well, the last time they went to Japan was twenty nineteen, and yeah, it was. Um terrible and they were kind of flying out to Japan at the time that all the other Premier League clubs were flying home and you, you were like why is City doing this they're going to be like massively undercooked or you know it's the I mean Guardiola had moaned about the jet lag in China it wasn't any better in Japan um so yeah it's going to be a big time difference for uh the players to get used to for 10 days or so and then they're going to have less than a week I think um, and then they're at Wembley for the Community Shield against Arsenal and their army of <laughs> jubilant fans, um, which is already shaping up to be a, a game that will be one to uh, to stay offline for. So, um, 
yeah it's uh, all all exciting can i talk about the cricket <laughs> yeah, who, who's going to start in the in the ashes not who's going to start against yokohama <laughs> And um, yeah, yeah, one last yeah. question about preseason. It's often a chance to get some youngsters involved. You know, last year was the the year that Rico Lewis made a good impression. I remember Josh Wilson Esbrand playing very well at, at left back. It might be a bit different because you know players like uh, Cole Palmer. I, I would have expected Carlos Borges to be there, but he was in the under nineteen Euros final on Sunday night, so you would expect him to have a little bit of time off after that. Some of those players are from the under twenty one Euros are probably still recovering. Is there anyone we can expect? And uh, I know you've written about James McAtee getting a chance as well. Yeah, McAtee should be should be there. He um, would have been in the twenty ones, uh, England under twenty ones for the their Euros, um, but had an ankle injury. Um, he's now over that now and City have had a lot of interest in in him, both loan and permanent. Um you know, thirty million pounds has not been enough to to put off some uh, some interested parties. So um it's kind of a, a show of faith in in City in him. because um, I feel like he went on tour last year but he didn't really get many opportunities. Um and so he would kind of expect more more this time um, in this kind of fluid situation we have where we don't quite know what the midfield and, and attack will will be. But certainly, uh, yeah, with Gundogan going, that kind of opens up the, the middle a bit more for McAtee. Um, and yeah, I will be interested to see which youngsters he, he takes um, because certainly kind of, <laughs> yeah, there's just so many of them, aren't there, really? But, you know, you, you think back to, like, the back end of last season, you had, say, Nico O'Reilly got on the bench at Brighton. Um, but then, you know, is it is, is that productive if, you know, Haaland's just going to play up front every game? Um, but there are, yeah, I mean, Oscar Bob has done very well um, with the reserves now for a few years. Is, is it kind of time to see a bit more of him uh, and then you've got to be looking at defenders and fullbacks really because they're the ones that are going to be kind of thin, thickening out the the squad to mean that kind of no one has to play uh, 180 minutes in, in Tokyo um, so yeah who, who would you who would you be excited I would have been excited to see Borges I, I really like him as a player but I just can't see him playing a full campaign for under 19s for Portugal and yeah. then getting on a plane to Tokyo. I think Mabude on the other side is another exciting player, but again, City have a lot of wingers. Um and they're the sort of the, the real standouts. There was there was more attacking standouts in the in the under 21s last year. Um and then you've got the likes of Shea Charles who was holding the defensive midfield together and he's now gone gone to Southampton. I think the there are a lot of good defenders but whether there are any who are close to the level of, say, Rico Lewis last season, it'll be interesting to see who who gets on that plane and who's who's in the thinking of of, of Guardiola's staff in in terms of that defence and where, what sort of that pecking order is. Because um, I think the defence is a lot younger than the uh, the attack in that uh, under twenty one squad. So uh, yeah, as much as I think the attackers are 
are, are good and more exciting. I think it might be a bit more telling who the defenders are who who go as well because uh, yeah, there's uh, obviously the City under twenty ones who've won the league three times in a row are very good and it's there's always that conveyor belt of talent coming through and I think this season this summer I've noticed even more the amount of players who've been linked with moves away to decent sides as well more so than than usual just because I think people are now looking to City's academy and thinking there's a lot of good players here you know Romeo Lavia is apparently wanted by Chelsea and Liverpool and and teams like this and he was this this time last summer he was 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 he on the tour or was he had he gone to Southampton by that point? Yeah, I think but he was in a similar position where he was one of the standouts of the of the under twenty ones the year before. So uh, now it'll be uh, be interesting to see who gets on the plane and and who gets a chance. I think the fact that City have three three fixtures rather than two, which they did, did last year, and I mean I don't mean any disrespect to Yokohama, but I would expect that they're not as much of a challenge as Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid. So that might be the game where we see some of the youngsters in order to give the, the senior players a bit more a bit more time. And when we come back after a short break, we will uh, do our best to preview that Yokohama game, which is uh, on Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in a second. Hello there, welcome back to part three of the Talking City podcast. Finally, we've got a game to discuss. It feels like quite a long time, but also not a long time at all since that Champions League <laughs> final. But, you know, having worked every week and trying to write about what's happening, it does feel like a long time. So I'm very glad that there are that there are games back and uh, Sunday we'll see City in their opening, opening game. We've sort of talked down pre-season over the last half hour or so and what you can take from it. So... Let's talk it up. Um, Let's talk it up. Do you think it'll be a full strength team? Do you think it'll be a mix? Do you think it'll be youngsters playing from the start, coming off the bench? How how do you think they will approach the first game against Yokohama? <laughs> All of that. Um, yeah, I think it's slightly strange first off that they are playing in mm-hmm. Tokyo and not Yokohama, um, which... Is I mean, because they played Yokohama in Yokohama in 2019 and it was amazing because it was like their home stadium um, and there were, I think it was about 80,000 capacity um, and it was like just bouncing from two hours before kickoff. It was, it, it was really brilliant. And then they were, um, it was actually a very good team managed by um, Ange Postacoglu, um, who is now kind of in, in the Premier League, in charge of of Spurs, so um, you know, small small world and all that. But um, I, I mean, I'm sure it will be a good atmosphere and a sellout and a, a good test for City. Um, but like Yokohama isn't that far from Tokyo, and maybe it was just worth kind of you know playing. And it's a City football group team as well. So, you know, just let them play in their own stadium rather than playing in um, Tokyo. But never mind. Um, so I don't know if it will be slightly less of an occasion because it's not in in Yokohama. Um, but I suppose City would get the stability from that. But um, yeah, I, I think Guardiola has never been shy to kind of roll out his, his star names. 
um, fr- from the start, really. Um, I think we'll, they'll probably be talking about two to four young players in the starting eleven, maybe. Um, but there'll kind of be not that much protection for for the rest of them um, because there aren't that many friendlies. You, you know, you're talking three games before the Community Shield. So by it's difficult because normally you treat the Community Shield as a fourth friendly, but they're not mm-hmm. doing this time because they really want to win it. So you would sort of say by the end of that third friendly, you would want like your team that you're playing in the Community Shield to have played kind of the third game Mm-hmm. At least kind of 60 minutes together. So we're working backwards, you would like to think kind of the, the core of a team that you might want to start the Community Shield will play mm-hmm. together for 45 minutes against uh, Yokohama and then we might see kind of sweeping changes. Um, but there, there aren't loads of players, uh, <laughs> loads of first-team players. So I think, we'll yeah, I think see, it was last year the, the centre-back pairing in the first game was... Uh, Nathan Ake and Luke Mbete because there was just no defenders on the tour. So it will also depend on that. We're not expecting Kevin De Bruyne, are we, because of his his injury? No, I don't think so. It's um, There's been loads flying around about De Bruyne and you know, I saw stuff saying like, oh, he's out till Christmas and all sorts. Um, I, would, I would be very hesitant to put any kind of date on when De Bruyne will be back or when we'll be out until just based on the fact that he <laughs> played for two months while he was injured. Like he should have been out for the last two months of the season and and played more than half the games. So, you know, I'd be very reluctant to say, oh, this guy's out until October or November or March um, when he's already kind of defied what we would expect of um of a, of a player to do so yeah i would not expect him on the tour to kind of um keep up his rehab um but i i wouldn't kind of be i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> by anything de bruyne does I, which we've said a long time on the pitch and now applies off it as well um but yeah other than that you're talking about unless players are staying away to get moves but like you said you know Zinchenko was on the on the city tour um before going to to Arsenal so it would be a surprise to see um anyone really left yeah, out I mean, of it the flip side of that of De Bruyne probably not playing is we'll get to see Matteo Kovacic will he be uh, in the Gundogan role will he be in the sort of number six role as an alternative to Rodri will he be on his favoured left side of midfield so you know these friendlies are a chance to to see that, and I can imagine Kovacic getting in early just to get that rhythm up and uh, playing. And he obviously didn't play the Champions League or FA Cup final, so he's had a a little bit longer to rest and and get ready. So uh, now that should be another thing to look out for. I think the defence will it be the sort of traditional two fullbacks, two centre backs, or will it be the the four centre backs approach that we saw to the end of last season? You know, this for me is also the time that, again, you see Julian Alvarez try and get some minutes, which he wouldn't normally get in a, in a, a league schedule where Haaland has to play because Haaland's a better player and scores 50 goals a season. So it might be a chance for, for Alvarez to stake a claim for a little bit of a an increased role next season as well. And then you look at players like Phil Foden, who was sort of 
floating around towards the end of the season and came off the bench in the Champions League final and did well in midfield. But will he be used on his favoured or is it a favoured wing role? He, he, he likes playing on that left wing, but also centre <laughs> centre of midfield. He quite this likes the right wing. He quite likes centre. <laughs> yeah, he um, he'll, he'll go anywhere, but he would probably like a, a fixed position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Alvarez is really interesting because, you know, how do you top the treble? But how do you top the <laughs> treble and the World Cup? Um, but he's always fighting against Haaland, but like we were saying with Phillips, this is sort of prime time um, for Alvarez to sort of show to Guardiola and the rest of them, like, this guy needs to be in the team. doesn't matter how, this guy needs to be in. Um, and especially kind of having played instead of De Bruyne a lot of the time when he played last season, when he made starts, if anyone's going to be sort of putting the hand up and saying, I should be in the team when he isn't, then it, it's... Um, it's probably Alvarez. Um, so will be. This is and also, he's had a rest, hasn't he? He's played like, yeah, he's played football for about 40 years combined before um, before the, this summer. So uh, he's finally had a few weeks off to, to celebrate and take it in. Still a, still a very young player um, and only one year in kind of European British football. So he, he is a big, a big one to watch, I think. Um, for this tour and across, yeah. And again, I think back to last year, and he—I don't think he scored in in Houston in that first game, but he looked like he would never stop running and leading the line. And he, it, as it transpired, he didn't get that chance because Haaland would play the next game and pretty much every other game. But he also can play that sort of role on his own, leading the line. So if he gets that chance, that'll be another thing to look out for. See, we started this podcast saying there's nothing to look out for at pre-season and it means nothing. And we've, we've ended it with <laughs> yeah. all the uh, all the important things that we need to be looking out for over the next couple of weeks. And and Haaland is a, is a point as well, because he, a, a lot will mm. be made of his fitness probably. Um, he didn't really play that much last year on tour, did he? Um, and there has been this sense that's carried carried him through the season that's kind of like he needs a lot of looking after. So if there are chances not to play him in games that, you know, aren't of importance, um, they might well be taken. So, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to to see Haaland kind of not get many minutes on tour, but that doesn't mean that he's then going to be a, a risk for... As you say, that happened exactly season. last year. I don't think he he trained at all in the first week at, in Manchester. Then I, I spoke to Riyad Mahrez in the first couple of days in, in Houston and he sort of let slip that Haaland hadn't been training at all. And then he, he rocked up to the game and didn't even get out of his sort of casual wear. He wasn't even in his training kit and he was just sat on the bench. And as the game went on, we were like, this this guy's not coming on. And it was because they were managing his fitness and you know he starts the next game, scores and then goes on and does what he does. So maybe this is a time, as you say, to to let other players play and manage Haaland's fitness because he's played a lot of games and has a, has that injury record that City did very well to to get the better of last year, but will still be there and he'll still need that sort of managing. So uh, 
we'll leave you there because we, myself and Si, will be following the cricket this week. And uh, in a little bit of transfer news, our, our colleague Rich will be out in, <laughs> in Japan to uh, cover all things City for the MEN. So uh, I'd imagine we'll have Rich on the podcast next week after the first friendly, depending on the uh, time difference in Japan. Um, we're going to go off and follow the cricket now, I think, and have one eye on who's at pre-season training. <laughs> Now we'll be all over Gvardiol, 24-7 Gvardiol. Do you know what? I'm, I'm glad we've got yeah. almost 45 minutes without speaking about Gvardiol. <laughs> no updates. Well, thank yeah. you, Sai, for joining us. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. You can follow us on the usual platforms, on the MEN website, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh, everywhere you can think. We're almost certainly there, Man City MEN or some 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 working of of that tag um and we'll join you next week when city will have played the first pre-season game against yokohama thanks for joining us Bye.